The longer I serve the Lord, I found out that there are certain seasons in life when God will afford us moments that will create future moments that will sustain us. And I'm not going to be super deep or profound tonight, but I do want to help somebody. And what I'll preach tonight is a message that I preached for the first time a year and a half ago when I was at a trying time in life. And I had to rediscover how good God really was. How many know God is good? Amen. And I think God brings us to times and through times where it's difficult to see what he's doing just so that we can learn all over again that he's good. Amen. And I want to obey the Holy Ghost tonight and I want to help somebody. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. It was a summer evening and the weather was perfect. The windows were down and the wind was blowing and Adventures in Odyssey was playing as I drove down the country roads of Northern California in the United States. The sun was beginning to set and its rays were dancing off the clouds in the distant sky as it began its glorious final act while the day was coming to an end. Beautiful and peaceful, glorious, relaxing are all words that described the moment I was in. There's nothing like a summer country drive in Northern California. A lot of other issues out there, but beauty is not one of them. And as I was driving in this beautiful, picturesque moment, I reached over and grabbed more sunflower seeds out of the bag that was on the seat next to me, and I threw them in my mouth. And as I continued my mission to annihilate that entire bag of seeds, I bit down, and immediately something happened that absolutely destroyed the amazing moment I was in. And some of you know where I'm going because it may have happened to you. Something happened that was not supposed to happen. This nasty, bitter, horrid taste came into my mouth and my face slowly turned from pleasant to disgusted because the glorious taste of so much salt had now been replaced by the rancid, putrid taste of a bad sunflower seed. And suddenly... Having forgotten all about the other 279 good seeds that I had eaten, the wonderful moment I was experiencing had been ruined by one seed. And while there are not many other horrible life experiences that compare to this one, I tried looking it up to see what causes it. I don't know if it was a worm that somehow got into the shell or if it was an overcooked seed, but... I all of a sudden felt like the Lord feels about somebody who's lukewarm. I, I wanted to spew it out of my mouth. And even candy corn and marshmallow peeps weren't as bad as this taste. And I started looking for an agent to counteract the bitterness and something else to eat or a drink of Coke just to get my taste back to normal because it had been horribly displaced and a thought hit me as I was driving down the road that evening. While serving God is a wonderful experience, isn't it amazing how if I let it, 
one bad taste can affect my perspective on everything else. And I learned that when your taste becomes tainted, so does your appetite. And those offenses that must come are designed to make you miss the amazing moments that God has planned for your future. All of a sudden, I wasn't quite as hungry anymore. I was a little hesitant to put more sunflower seeds in my mouth because the thought was always there. What's the next one going to taste like? When is the next bitter one going to come my way? I don't ever want to taste that again. And it intrigued my attention. And since we're in the week and months when most Americans consume more than they will any other time of the year, I begin to do a little bit of research on taste. And I found out there are not more than five cardinal tastes, sour, savory, salty, sweet, and bitter, yet combinations of them yield more flavors than can ever be tasted. In multi-course meals, chefs will purposely try to use and combine three to four of these flavors to create an incredible taste in one sitting. It's one of the five main senses. Taste is interesting because it's probably the one that is preached about the least and the hardest to preach. It's only mentioned 21 times in the Bible. It's easy to preach about. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain and everybody's faith go crazy. It's exciting to preach about, hey, Jesus is walking through this place right now. And if somebody will reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by, you'll receive your miracle. It's awesome to say, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. It's great to say our prayers go up as a sweet smelling savor to God. But then we come to a verse like Psalms 34 and 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we start preaching about taste and see that the Lord's good. And we're like, wait a minute, it's a tad more difficult to build your faith like it can be built with the other four senses. And I started thinking about it. How do I preach on something like taste and see that the Lord is good and be effective? Because it's easy in theory until you begin to realize Taste is acquired, and it really requires more faith than any of the other four senses. you got to remember, taste is acquired. And some people love to eat things over and over again until it agrees with their spirit. And you just don't say you like something without trying it first. Now, there are some church potlucks that I go to that there are certain dishes of which I will not partake. Not because I'm any type of a food snob, but because while that person tells me they cook the best turkey necks in the world, I have no desire to eat turkey necks. I don't care what they taste like. While that person tells me that their green beans will make my mouth water. I have seen the inside of your house. And there is no way I'm eating anything from the kitchen where your cat wanders freely on the counter. But when I see the chicken buckets, I make a beeline for them because I know what's going to be on the inside. 
And I know the taste and I know what to expect. And my body has an acquired taste for grease. Taste is something of which you learn when you partake. Really, it takes just as much or more faith for your taste than it does for any other sense because unless you've tried it, you have no idea of what to expect. Something may smell good, but you can't stand the taste of it. And I'm convinced that people walk through our doors and instead of them first being able to try God and see that He is good, oftentimes the first thing they taste is what we like to bring to the party. And it becomes easy for us to think that what we bring ought to be the main course that people experience. We think our little program ought to be the things that makes people's heads spin. We think... Our little song and dance ought to be the thing that gets everybody's attention. When it is our job to make sure what people are experiencing is Him. We can never forget this is about Him. Every song is about Him. All our worship is about Him. Every prayer is about Him. Every sermon is about Him. Every word is about Him. Every hand clap is about Him. Every prayer, because there's nobody like Him. Come on, you're a testimony. Nobody can save you like Jesus. Nobody can redeem you like him. Nobody can deliver you like him. Nobody can make a way like him. Nobody can speak. Nobody can hear. Nobody can see. Nobody can reach like he. This is all about him. And somehow I've got to get somebody to taste and see that he is Taste is the only sense. You've got to consume the product in order to know its true value. And it's easy to see what churches are like when you begin to watch as I travel. It's interesting to observe and see certain churches have certain tastes for certain things. Nothing wrong with that. Just certain churches are built in particular ways. Some churches have a taste for shout, and that's all they offer is shout, shout, shout. And I love to shout. As a matter of fact, the Lord's coming back, the Bible says, with a shout. But shouting is a shallow diet that will eventually starve you if that's all you're consuming. Because it's easy to shout on Sunday and sin on Monday. you got to learn to do more than just shout if you're going to find out about Jesus. Amen. Some churches have a buffet of faith and they serve so much faith they have no common sense. And trust me, I love preaching on faith. But sometimes you got to have a little bit more than faith. you got to have a little bit of action with that faith. And churches have certain tastes for things that feed them. But if we want a balanced church, we better make sure that in the middle of everything we're doing, the lamb is somewhere on the menu. Because people are not coming in here for our song. People are not coming here for our hand clap. People aren't coming because we got great lighting and I'm for all of that. But we better remember people are coming in here because they're hungry. People are coming in here because they're broken. People are coming in here because they're, come on somebody, their family's falling apart. They're hurt. They're wounded. They're afraid. They're confused. Everything the world has fed 
them has been bitter and they're trying to spit out the putrid taste of a life that sin brings they're hungry for something but they're sick of the taste of the world and that is where we come in to show them there is life beyond what they think is normal Hey, if you're a visitor here tonight, let me tell you, there is something more. There is somebody who will not disappoint you. There is somebody who will never leave you. There is someone who will never let you down. You tried the world and you came away empty and hungry and hurt. But let me preach to you about Jesus for a minute. Jesus really is not just something we sing about. He is the answer. And we're dealing with people coming in now wondering what is going on with my life. Their minds have been warped by drugs and pornography. We're encountering those whose lives have been ruined by what the world has to offer. And everything's left them empty. And everything's left them bitter. And everything's left them starving. And here we are with our little hand claps saying, I'm doing my part. Hopefully somebody sees I got here 10 minutes early to pray and here's the pastor and the ministry team trying to do everything they can to convince the visitor come on give Jesus a chance give Jesus a chance give Jesus here's what we need to do we need to get on board and say I'm coming to church on a Wednesday night because I want to introduce somebody to the way maker I'm coming to church on a Sunday because I want to show somebody the bread of life let me introduce you to the mender of broken hearts what's got to be done pastor I want to prepare the way of the Lord because somebody's going to be here and they're going to try Jesus but how do you take somebody who has been through so much hell and get the bitter taste of life out of their mouth how do you take somebody who never grew up with any normalcy in their home and show them peace How do you take somebody who's been a slave to sin and experienced more than you'll ever know and tell them, hey, there is something more. In Exodus chapter 12, God begins to talk to Moses and Aaron and begins to instruct them on what he's getting ready to do and we're introduced to what we know as Passover. The Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years and Pharaoh refuses to let God's people go even after seeing plague after plague decimate the land and finally God tells Moses and Aaron, I'm going to pass through Egypt and execute judgment and every firstborn, both man and beast, is going to die. And he said, I want every household to take a male lamb that is without blemish. And on the 14th day of the month, every house is going to kill that lamb. And once you've killed that lamb, you're going to take its blood and you're going to spread the blood on the doorposts of your house with hyssop so that when I pass through Egypt, I'm going to see the blood and pass over your house. How many of you are thankful for the blood tonight? Amen. And he said, after you've done that and after the blood is on the doorpost, then I want you to go out and I want you to gather up the bitter herbs that are horrid to the taste and you're going to consume them. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of Egypt. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of where I'm bringing you from. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of the life you came out of. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of everything that was ever done wrong to you. The bitter herbs 
herbs are going to remind you of the mistrust you have in people. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of the heartache. The bitter herbs are going to remind you of the scars. The bitter herbs are going to tell the story of your pain. The bitter herbs are going to bring back the memories of the past. Because no matter who you are, life at some point will serve you a bitter portion. An offense must be served. And there are going to be times when you have to deal with issues that weren't fair and you have to deal with things that were not right. But he said, listen, with all of the bitterness, I'm not just going to let you consume that. I'm going to give you a mediator. I'm not just going to leave you with your hurt. I'm not just going to leave you with your anger. I'm going to give you something that is going to balance the bitterness that life has brought you because you're not only going to eat the bitter herbs of life, you're also going to take the sweet and tender and savory meat of that lamb whose blood you just put on the doorpost and you're going to consume it. Exodus 12 and 8, and they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Hear me tonight, the only way you're going to be able to consume the bitterness of life is if you also consume the lamb. Let me remind you of what John shouted when he saw Jesus coming. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. You look up the root meaning of that word sin in the original language before it was translated. You could have read that verse like this. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the offense of the world. And the only way you're going to be able to deal with all the bitterness and all the offenses of life is if you partake of the Lamb. The only way you're going to be able to deal with all the wounds is if you consume the lamb because the taste of the lamb will counteract the bitterness and the flavor of the lamb will be stronger than the hurt and the goodness of the lamb will be more powerful than the worst day of your life. So now let me preach about it on a Wednesday night Bible study. Somebody needs to taste and see that the Lord is good come on taste and see that the Lord is good and once you partake of him you're going to find out that the goodness of God is stronger the goodness of the lamb is more powerful the goodness of the lamb is appealing the goodness of the lamb goes further the goodness of the lamb is everlasting the goodness of the lamb is following me the goodness of the lamb come on it takes up the Lack. The goodness of the lamb fills the hungry soul. But you've got to taste and see for yourself. Maybe you came here tonight because you thought they have good programs. And we do. Maybe you came here tonight because it's good worship. Maybe you came because it's a beautiful facility. But before we introduce you to any of that, before you try anything else, try Jesus. Come on, it's
it's not our programs that are going to save you. It's the spotless lamb. It's not our finances that are going to save you. It's the lamb for sinners slain. It's not our music that's going to set you free. It's the lamb that takes away sin. It's not our talent that's going to help you. Come on, it's the goodness of God. Come on, God is good. That ought to get somebody clapping right now. That ought to get somebody dancing right now. God is good. Come on, he's infinitely good. He's independently good. He's absolutely good. He's unchangeably good. He's universally good. He's eternally good. And guess what? I promise the more you try of him, the more you're going to want of him. But the only way you're going to find out is you're going to have to taste and see. Before you give marijuana another chance, give the lamb a chance. Before you leave and give the alcohol another swig tonight, give the lamb a taste. Before you walk out and give the cigarette another draw, try the lamb. But now that I've preached to the sinner, Let me preach to the saint. How is it that somebody who has lived for God for years can all of a sudden lose their taste for the things of God as though their ability to discern has been dulled? How can somebody who is hungering and thirsting after righteousness for so long suddenly turn their back on God and start causing problems? It's because somewhere along the line, you go back and trace it, they've stopped eating the lamb. And if you have lost your ability to partake in the forgiveness and the goodness of God and all you're consuming are the bitter herbs, it will not be long before it's everybody else's fault. I'm the victim. It's, it's my life and you can't tell me how to live it. Nobody has it as bad as I do. I, I want to go back to Egypt. The church never helped me. And somewhere you let bitterness have access to your spirit and the lamb has been lost find it interesting when COVID started, one of the first symptoms that everybody noticed was it took away people's ability to taste. And I do believe COVID came from hell. I watched COVID wreck more lives in the church than I've seen. And yeah, we've won a lot in the last three years. But what about all the ones that were never supposed to leave? Even today, people say, I never fully got my taste back. And I can't eat the things I used to eat because they just don't taste the same. Some have said their taste hasn't come back in over three years. And when it did, just things weren't the same. You've heard people say it. And somewhere, somehow, when the enemy gets a hold of somebody and they stop consuming the lamb more than they do the bitter herbs, you got to remember taste is acquired. And pretty soon they're so used to eating the bitterness that they forget about the sweetness of the lamb. And the lamb becomes lost. And now they cannot tell they're consuming bitterness. And they're literally starving themselves into hell because their spiritual taste buds are so messed up. And if you have lost your ability to taste, that is where the danger lies. You don't think it's possible to get there? Job said in 6 and 30, Is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? 
Job said, I'm in a place where I can't even tell what's right and I can't even tell what's wrong. And you hear me, one of the first things the enemy will do will take away your ability to taste that the Lord is good. And he'll try to keep that bitter taste in your mouth. And now you're bitter towards the church and you're bitter towards the man of God and you're bitter towards the saints of God and you're eating what other backsliders are eating. Hear me, the enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy your taste for the goodness of God what is it that causes somebody to fall away from God and say things like I don't believe it like I used to believe it what is it called that causes somebody to crave the things of the flesh more than things of God what is it that causes somebody to eat the bitter things and leave the lamb alone it's because somewhere the partaking of the lamb has become optional because when you consume the lamb I'm sorry, it overcomes all offense. It overcomes all bitterness. When I taste the lamb, I forget all about the bitterness because I'm just reminded the Lord is good. When I partake of the lamb, I'm reminded that even with all the negativity around me, God is still good. Whatever's happening around me, I can't get through it by myself. What gets me through it is I remind myself the Lord is good. Oh, the Holy Ghost, will you stretch a hand towards heaven right now? Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Before you leave the church, try the lamb again. Before you do something crazy, Try the lamb. Before you decide you're going to go get vengeance, try the lamb. Before you begin to talk about how you were done wrong, I'm asking you, try the lamb. Before you start criticizing the ministry, try the lamb. Before you decide to move, I'm asking you, try the lamb. Before you leave this place and go back to the world, my petition to everybody in the house tonight is simply try the lamb. Musicians, you can come. If you would stand to your feet all across the house tonight, Would you just stretch a hand towards heaven again right now and just worship the Lord? Jesus wants to remind somebody in this house tonight 
that he's good. I, I told you I wanted to help somebody tonight. And the goodness of God is going gonna, is gonna to reach down right now. Come on, lift your voice with those hands right now across the house. Come on. God wants to show somebody tonight, hey, despite of everything you're going through, I'm still good. Some have been on the fringes for far too long and God's trying to get your attention tonight and say, hey, I'm good. Oh 